0: What's going on, guys? Welcome back. And thank you, as always, for stopping in to have a chat here with me as uh, what's going on in the markets, what's going on with some politics, what's going on with me? You know, I've got a a couple stories that I would like to share today, and uh, hopefully you won't mind uh, hearing something a little bit different than just stocks today. But um, yeah, so we've uh, we've definitely got a lot of different sell side pressure. With a lot of the things going on out there, we got a, a political picture that is unclear. I know a lot of things are still up in the air as to who's getting elected, if that red wave is going to happen, and ultimately where our political picture is going to be in just a short time. So we're uh, we're still waiting on a little bit of that of clarity to come through and ultimately show us what uh, is going to happen. But uh, we've also got some news out there that is, uh, I think, definitely noteworthy. On a couple of things that are kind of making me put my foot in my mouth. Uh, First off, I guess we got to we got to adjust address this crypto problem. And uh, that's with FTX. Sam Bankman Freed was kind of that white knight that was going to save a couple other failing crypto companies when they had a liquidity crunch. He was worth 16 billion worth uh, with just 24 hours ago, 48 hours ago. And uh, they had a big liquidity crunch. They weren't able to have a lot of that cash on the sidelines if people were selling to get them their cash when they sold out of these different uh, cryptocurrencies. So they were looking to possibly sell to Binance. Uh, I do have a link in the description for Binance if you're still bullish on the crypto space. Now, uh binance looked at their balance sheet and they basically said no we're not touching it that's uh the latest that i have heard so now he went from 16 billion dollars to 991 million in that short amount of time so there's going to be some problems with uh with ftx with uh withdrawals with getting your cash out and ultimately it is a very unclear picture for the crypto space and the coins have uh have drastically sold off as well so Where we were seeing, uh, you know, Bitcoin, we were around that 21,000 mark. I said things were looking pretty good the other day. You know, just three days ago when I recorded this, things were looking pretty strong. We were definitely in that channel. And uh, now, wow, Bitcoin is down again, down below that 18,000 level that we were trading in this channel. Now we are at 16,460. And uh, Ethereum got even worse. Ethereum was in that range of that thirteen to fifteen hundred. We kind of broke out to the upside. We were in the sixteen hundreds, and now we're at eleven seventy seven. So definitely a lot of pain. Uh, The FTT coin, the FTX uh, native token, was definitely crushed. The worst, I believe, that was down about eighty percent last time that I checked. But things are definitely bleak out there and again a lot of the smaller coins i think that they are um they don't have the staying power kind of like a lot of the websites back in 99 2000 when we look at what they did uh, a lot of them were just trading on hype and no real valuation no real currency um the cryptos didn't really have a currency a lot of people didn't want them and uh, they basically were all the same people buying them. And then when things got bad, no one else wanted to buy so that the crypto's is falling. Uh, so similar to that dot com bust that we saw back in 99, 2000, in that regard of, you know, anything with the dot com on the end was worth millions and billions of dollars, similar to the cryptocurrency situation today. Now, my theory here is still the same thing. You've still got companies that are in business from 99, 2000 that were a .com. And you will probably see in 20, 30 years that there are still cryptocurrencies that are going to be um, around that are um, the big ones on the porch today. That is my thinking. So I'm still looking at Bitcoin. I'm still looking at Ethereum. Uh, I think a lot of the other projects, while some of them have a, a strong validity, some of them do have great use cases. Um, you know, the tracking, the the exchange, every different thing that they can do, there is some validity to. Now, there's some that just do not have any staying power to me, and they make the whole picture look bad. Like, uh, you know, some different internet websites back then uh, were just basically just the dot com, and uh, they traded on purely just that hype around that, the euphoria of that time. Similar time now. But uh, I still do have a, a strong conviction that these ones that uh, have been adopted by companies and governments and uh, have that international staying power, I think that we're going to be fine there. So I'm still looking at those. Uh, I'm, I'm not buying anything right now. I'm kind of letting this thing settle down before I do anything. Uh, I was able to cash out a little bit on the Ethereum, uh, kind of roll some into cash before this all kind of started going down. Um... No, not too much. I I did protect a little bit of money there, but uh, ultimately I will look to buy when things settle down. And right now we just don't have that picture as to what is going to happen. And I want to have some clarity before I make any uh, rash decisions and go on a buying spree of of anything. But uh, that being said, we had a Disney report and Disney did, uh, they, they had a miss and I had said on this Monday's episode that uh, I was bullish long-term on Disney. Uh, That still has not changed. I'm still bullish on Disney. I still think they have a good business. Uh, I did highlight some of the management problems, some of the different things going on, the political problems they were kind of getting themselves into. And uh, I don't know if that directly affected them, but there were some revenue issues or some spending concerns on that Disney Plus platform. It is still not profitable. And we are looking at uh, 12.1 million new users, I believe it was was the number this quarter. So we are adding more users. They are just spending more and more on content. Now, I, I definitely think that there is a happy medium to where you have enough content and you get enough people on your platform and you can still have that user base grow. But uh, ultimately, right now, the the revenue is not supporting the uh, the amount of content that they are looking to uh, to actually make. So we are really in this uh, this downward trend on Disney. Disney did a an awful, awful day. I, I really cannot fathom how bad they did on the the market today. Now we might have some problems with the uh, with the election, with some of the results there. Uh, I think, you know, overall, There there is a lot of uncertainty out there right now. But uh, when I'm looking at the performance from the day, I'm trying to pull up that one-day chart. I know the other day when we were looking at this one, we were sitting right around 100 bucks. And uh, today, we have trimmed off 13.1%. We are down to 86.75. So a massive haircut on Disney for the day. They are still looking to possibly reinstate those dividends next year. I believe that was a biannual dividend the last they had it. I believe that was uh, early 2020 or late 19 that they were actually paying this dividend. Right when the, the COVID crash hit, they were one that uh, ended up cutting that dividend. I don't think many people were really buying Disney for that dividend, but uh, it is noteworthy that there isn't one now. They are possibly looking to reinstate that. But uh, we got to look at the the other issues that they're having some revenue on parks and uh, media are are lower than they expected. So there is a bit of a rebuild here. They are building out that uh, that platform for Disney Plus. As I said, they are looking to sell more merchandise through that app or through the the Disney Plus platform, and ultimately, I do think that that can be a beneficial thing to uh, to drive more sales uh, and really having online shopping through an app that they are adding millions of users to every quarter. Uh, so a lot of different things to unravel there. Uh, I think for me, I will add to this one when things settle down. It is not settled down yet. 13% drop in a day. You know, you're flipping a coin if you know what tomorrow is going to bring. So I'm going to let this one settle. See if we can't uh, really kind of bake in some lows and go ahead and maybe add in a week or two when we have a little bit more clarity as to what this price is doing before i just go ahead and dive on in because i don't want to catch a falling knife i want to see some stability see this thing bottom out and ultimately try to make a path higher and we simply are just not there yet so uh i'm being cautious with this one as i'm being cautious with a lot of names right now and uh, the next one that i'm cautious with is one of my one of my larger positions it was a favorite Uh, Was that number one spot? I think it got bumped out of there as it's fallen though. And that name is Tesla. And Tesla, uh, we've got a lot of sell side pressure from Elon. He uh, has been selling more and more stock in order to fund the Twitter, uh, the bridge loans and everything that he's got going on over there. And ultimately, there's just so much sell side pressure that uh, it's bringing everything down as there's just not enough buyers right now. Uh, if you would have been selling this last year and, you know, the this three to one split already happened, I think this thing would have just been bought up so quickly. Just the, the difference that a year makes in the market with uh, the undertones and everything else that's going on, it's making it really hard to uh, to own stocks right now. It just really is tough out there. So one thing I did... I had some stop limit orders on uh, on Tesla and they were at 200. So I ended up selling about 10% of my Tesla stake at 200 and we're sitting at 177. Uh, I had put in some buy limit orders at 175 uh, to try to get a bit of a decrease on this one and buy back in. I have lowered those. I lowered my price target $10 more. Uh, and I'm going to see if this thing does start to get down to that point, and if we do get any kind of uh, kind of clarity as to what's going on going forward. Uh, I'm still bullish on the EV space. I'm still bullish on Tesla. I think the sell side uh, from Elon uh, remind you he sold he put 19.5 million shares on the market. That's not 19.5 million dollars. That's 19.5 million shares. That's 3.95 billion. Of uh, Tesla stock that has been sold in the past four days or uh, last week or so from Elon only. Uh, so that is a massive, massive sell side uh, order. And we've ultimately got to have enough buyers to buy this thing back up to fill these gaps. Uh, you know, you're going to see some of the big funds jump in. I'm sure ARC is going to be buying. I'm sure there's a lot of other hedge funds, ETFs that are going to be adding. Uh, but ultimately massive amounts of selling in this thing. So, uh, I'm trying to protect myself as well. I don't know if there's going to be another, uh, sell from Elon. I'm really not certain as to what the future is going to bring there. So I want to lower those, uh, those limit orders that I'm looking to go ahead and repurchase some of these shares. Uh, I still do have a, a pretty hefty amount of Tesla stock. I will probably reaccumulate when things settle, um, but with that being said, uh, with some of the things that I was buying was some of that money from my Tesla sale. I was trying to re-kind of pivot into some other things here. And uh, I do have some of the different stocks that I was mentioning last time. Uh, Qualcomm, NVIDIA, they are on my buy list. A, a couple of them did trigger today. Uh, did buy some more PayPal, SoFi. I'm still bullish on SoFi. I still like that user growth, the revenue growth, and a lot of the plans going forward. I still think they are underappreciated. I was able to pick that one up at five. Uh, I told you guys if it was under six, I was buying. Uh, I was really looking to get in a little bit lower, but that was where the limit triggered. And uh, I do think it probably closed the day a a bit under that. PayPal, I was uh, had on order to buy that. Uh, Palantir, they they reported, and there was a, a bit of a mixed picture there. They are, uh, they're still growing. We have a, I believe 64% revenue growth over the past two years from 2020, but that number from this past year, year over year was only about 23, 24%. Uh, so that revenue is looking stronger, not anything to write home about. They do have more uh, customers being added. They are adopting more products of Palantir and the foundry system is still a strong sale for them. Uh, so I was able to go ahead and get some more of those. Uh, What else do we have? I bought uh, Google. I bought some Amazon. I bought a little bit of DraftKings. uh, And with some of the legalization that's going on in some of the different states, I do think that DraftKings is going to do well. We've still got some problems in California. But uh, hopefully these numbers and some of the massive sell-off can uh, start to fill back in. I thought maybe with uh, some of the things going on in the... uh, the election, maybe we can kind of right some of those wrongs and, and turn this thing around. So that's what I was looking at there. So I was also looking at uh, some of the layoffs uh, from some of the other companies that are uh, really kind of been in that struggle. Well, one of them struggling, one of them is uh, just kind of the wrong spot at the wrong time. Uh, Meta, Facebook, still doing the, uh, the layoffs and we are looking to cut more and more jobs there. Uh, Salesforce also doing some layoffs. I believe Apple is on a hiring freeze. So there's a a lot of different problems out there that we are really looking to figure out what's going to happen. What do we got going forward? And uh, ultimately, where does this thing end? But uh, another thing that I was going to look at today, and this is more into the business side of what I've got going on in life, and this is kind of the the personal story I was going to lead into, was, uh, you know, in that snow and ice game, if you are... Um, a contractor or you have a business, I, I really just wanna make sure that uh, everyone is properly insured. Uh, so I've, I've been doing the snow and ice thing for, I don't know, 10 years now on some level and uh, really got into it doing more commercial properties. And that has kind of become uh, 50% of my revenue roughly a year is done in snow removal. Now, um, so one of these properties, had an issue with a slip and fall. Uh, So, and I I don't know if I should even be talking about this. So I'm not using any names or any dates or anything like that. So (laughs) I guess we'll go from there. I was doing the plowing and the salting on the roadways in the parking lot for this uh, particular property. I had originally, seven or eight years ago, included a price if they needed me to take care of their sidewalks. They you know, just wanted to kind of have a, a price in mind. They do have maintenance staff that takes care of that, but should they be overwhelmed or have something else go on or they need me to do it, it was already in writing. Okay, so fast forward, these, these prices kind of crept up over the past seven, eight years as everything else has. And I've been including these sidewalk prices into my estimate and into the the contract. Now, they will take my estimate and turn it into their contract because they won't sign my contract, which is a, an issue. But they uh, they change it and they play the the verbiage game and word it the way they want to f- to have their contract. So now I take their contract, cross off the things I don't like, initial it and sign it. Right. So we've been working like this for, I don't know, seven years or so. Now this slip and fall happened this past season. I was notified, uh, two Aprils ago and I was said, Hey, look, yeah. I mean, yes, someone may have fallen on the sidewalk or at the steps, but I was never contacted In, in my contract. It says 72 hours prior to any snow event, I need to know if you need people there to to take care of the sidewalks or do any shoveling, snow blowing, things like that. And it's got to be in writing. It's got to be from corporate and it's not guaranteed. It was simply if I was needed to help out, I would try to do that for this property. So it was never guaranteed and I never got anything in writing uh, saying, come on, we need your help for this storm. Uh, Our maintenance guys are out or they got a problem with uh, the boiler room or whatever, you know so i was never contacted but uh what they ended up doing is this person had fallen and uh basically sued the apartment complex the apartment complex came looking at me like oh hey we got this we need all your logs all your times i was like okay that that's fine i can submit my my time sheets and uh basically they said oh okay never mind we see that it was not under your scope of work so now, fast forward twenty months later, this is now being pushed onto me, and uh, it's kind of a slap in the face in the in the regards of um basically, I've been working with them for so long. I've been doing the job as needed it's it's you know late nights, long winters it's it's everything that uh you know you don't like about the the snow work. And uh, It really just goes to show you how quick corporate or the the business side or the insurance side of things will flip on someone, even though it is not under my scope of work. Now, what they did is they took that contract that I didn't cross out and I didn't sign. They took that uh, thing that they worded up with their signature on it, didn't have my signature on it, and highlighted the parts of, uh, the fact that it has a snow sidewalk shoveling price on this uh, on this individual contract. Now, again, on the actual signed copy, I said, not guaranteed, needs to be in writing, as it said in print on my estimate um, and on my contract that they didn't sign. So I had to handwrite it onto my actual contract that I signed for them. So, Basically, I wanted to kind of lead on to um, the fact that if you are looking to start a business, if you are looking to uh, get into something that you don't have any prior experience in, the first thing you need to do is protect yourself. Um, I was able to incorporate in 2013, so my business is separate from me, um, which has been helpful in, in a lot of ways, uh, you know, back in 2009 when I started, uh, I didn't really have too much to lose, right? I didn't have so much saved or I didn't have a house. I barely had anything at that point. But uh, as I kind of grew, as I bought a house, as I had more equipment, uh, I definitely had the insurance, but uh, it was a good call for me to go and incorporate. But uh, if, if you're looking to get into something, I just want to make sure that you are protected in the fact of anything that you're doing You need to have the proper uh, insurance, the proper, you know, licenses, the proper everything. You can't just run out and start a business and think that, uh, you know, it's all just cash in your pocket because you would still be held liable. So really, this is kind of a it's a struggle point for me. It's been a rough week. I had to file this claim with uh, my insurance company and say, hey, look, this happened 20 some months ago. And they're like, okay, well, why? You know, I mean, basically put them on notice last, uh, April or May or whenever I got first notice of it, I had mentioned it to my insurance agent and kind of just said, Hey, look, it wasn't me. I wasn't under a uh, contract for this. They never reached out to, to have their sidewalks done. And that was kind of the end of it for me. But, you know, so now I, I've got to kind of backpedal and tell my insurance agents, Hey, look, yeah, like we knew about this and, you know, didn't really think anything of it because the, the insurance agent that originally handled it said, oh, okay, well, no no big worries. If, if it wasn't your scope of work, it wasn't your scope of work. And uh, so, but I, I kind of am talking in circles here, but really the whole thing here is I don't want anyone to be out there working and not protect yourself onto what's going on uh, outside of that world of your business. Uh, even in, I believe, Massachusetts, there was a 12-year-old that uh, was cutting grass, and he was doing six yards within his community anywhere he could push his mower, and um, he was, unfortunately, threw a rock through a window. Now, the uh, the parents of the kid had offered to pay for the window, fix the window, make it, make it right, but um, this woman that had the window break happened to pick up the glass, cut herself, sued the child for $200,000. The kicker here is she won. She won because of the liability that was at, at stake when this kid went to cut the, the yard. The The parents were held accountable for that $200,000 worth of damages simply because the kid wanted to go out and make a buck. And it's it's really difficult as a parent to even want to I, I want to raise my children to be strong, hard workers, you know, well-rounded, this, that, the other. And it's really hard to be like, Hey, yeah, go knock on doors and and shovel a sidewalk because now if someone slips on their sidewalk or in their driveway and they're gonna point the finger and say, Oh, yeah, they did it. And you know, then it comes back on me as a parent. And that's uh that's a really kind of sad state that we live in. I understand that this woman cut her finger on glass, but at the same time, it's a 12 year old out there trying to, trying to make some, uh, you know, toy money for the summer or whatever. So it's a really difficult situation for young businesses. It's, it's difficult in order to pay for these costs. Uh, snow insurance is not cheap and, you know, by more and more, they are getting canceled left and right from these slip and fall claims. Uh, cheers to the, the States in the North have been, have basically said it's an active winter and there's nothing we can do about it in the, the court standpoint of things in the case that uh, there's no negligence. You know, you actually went out, you did your best. There's still going to be slick spots. That's how winter works. Uh, so basically, just protect yourselves. Uh, I know that it's happening to me. I'm going through it now. I'm going through this whole process. And uh, I don't want to see anyone else go through it without proper representation and proper insurance. So um, from that standpoint, it's been a, a rough week tapped on or tacked on to the fact of also having a rough market and are really just trying to get through some of this stuff. So uh, with that being said, I'm going to take a quick break and we're going to come back. We're going to take a quick look at uh, the investing challenge for week 46 and we're going to wrap this one up. So stick around. All right, I am back here and we were uh, looking at uh, some different stocks for week 46 Uh, on the investing challenge over there on the the Facebook page at Let It Grow Investing. And uh, I've actually bought most of these stocks this week already with some of the drawdowns and uh, some of the things going on in the market. I've already added them to my brokerage account. Uh, So now it's your turn to see what we're gonna be adding to the Let It Grow Investing, investing challenge for 22. And uh, we'll be wrapping this uh, investing challenge up in, what, six short weeks or maybe seven, seven at this point. So we've got, uh, you know, just a couple more weeks to go to really outpace the S&P performance for the rest of the season. And uh, hopefully we can do that by adding one of these names. And uh, the first one is SoFi. Uh, Ticker is uh, SOFI for SoFi Technologies. And uh, they're that online banking platform that was really geared towards uh, millennials and that younger banker that really wanted that uh, online and a lot of different options as far as uh, what they can do on a platform all at one spot. So with uh, some of the student loan uh, problems that were out there, the uh, deferred payments and the student loan forgiveness plans, SoFi definitely took it on the chin there for a while. They weren't uh, really in favor as these different payments and problems were kind of persistent. Uh, Then they got that bank charter that they were looking to get last year and uh, the stock never really rallied. We basically had the the growth stock crunch happen and pretty much all those growth stocks were just punished, even though they had some good things going on over there at SoFi. So this uh, past quarter, they did beat on that EPS. They did beat on the revenue. Uh, they guided higher and uh, they added 424,000 new members. So they've got a 4.6 million uh, user base. And they've also got uh, uh, that number is up 61% uh, year over year. So a big gain on that, uh, that new mem- member growth and also some other uh, numbers that are looking to be in their favor as well. And with some of that student loan problems behind them, I think this one should start to rebound. Uh, and as I said, I did buy this one today, so that's number one for week forty-six. Number two, uh, we talked about this one earlier. Also, is Disney ticker is DIS, and um, yeah, Disney. Oh boy, it was a it was a rough rough day for them coming down that thirteen percent. But uh, could that get a, get us a better entry point going forward? Uh, I think that it is going to be a better entry. Um, I think we're going to bottom out within that week, and we're going to start to get some stability back in this name. Uh, ultimately, they do have some problems to work on. We've kind of addressed that before, uh, the political and the uh, management-type problems. We're working through the Disney Plus thing. We've got, uh, we're have got we spending more on content. They're probably going to dial that back. They're really going to fine-tune this thing, and uh, we really want to see that park revenue kind of continue to creep up. And the media segment increase as well, so we really are looking at those two numbers for revenue growth going forward. But uh, I don't think that it would be wise to bet against Disney at this point in time. They've got a lot of different levers that they can pull in order to generate some more money, and uh, you know they still have a very strong fan base. Uh, so I definitely think that this one could be a uh, a strong contender going forward. And last I checked uh, on Sunday, we had about a 40, I want to say 42% upside on this name. And I'm guessing we haven't gotten too many down revisions at this point. But uh, now that it is down to 86.75, let's go ahead and check the analyst research and see if we have gotten some uh, some different ratings in the past day based on, uh, we still got a buy from Morgan Stanley. We still got a buy from Bank of America. Hold from Cowan, Credit Suisse, a buy at 126. So a lot of different people here are coming out with buy ratings in the past day. And uh, yeah, 10 of 10 ratings that I'm looking at in the past day, nine of them are buys. We've got one hold. And all the other price targets are in the one teen range to mid 120s. So we've still got about $40 worth of upside. But uh, on those 10 numbers, on the average price target from eight from 18 different analysts, we've got an average price target of 128, 47% upside. So it's still got some high targets there as well. Uh, number three, let's uh, let's take a look at this one. This one was DraftKings, and uh, we were looking at some of the, the pull down effect uh, from last week, and this one had dropped pretty significantly. And now I'm thinking it might be time to really look a little bit closer at some of the sports betting plays. So DraftKings is down uh, about seven percent today, and uh, we closed at eleven sixty six, and we do have about eighty three percent of upside from twenty analysts for an average price target of twenty one thirty five. I think we can get there. Uh, certainly, we would definitely need to see some profitability. Uh, towards the end of that 12-month period. We would definitely like to have uh, that profitability number uh, start to show in the uh, reports. And I think once we see that, we're going to know that this isn't just a fad. It's going to be more of a longstanding thing now that more states have legalized uh, online sports betting. So I'm still bullish on that space. And uh, they are at the top of the heap when it comes to which ones or which companies are going to really um, be the leader in this space. So I'm still, uh, still bullish on DraftKings. It's been a rocky road and I know they're going through a lot of different things, trying to get different, uh, states into the sports betting, uh, arena. But ultimately once we get there and we get to some more states added, I do think that their things are really going to take off for them and, uh, keep building that user base and get to that path of profitability. So uh, number four, what do we got here? We've got uh, UPS, United Parcel Service, which almost sounds funny to call it that. Everyone knows it as UPS. This one's gonna be the safe play here. We've got uh, a price of 164. The price target is sitting at 189. So not as much on that way of upside here. We've only got about 15%. But uh, UPS around the holidays is just a surefire play in the years past. Is it going to repeat this year? I can't guarantee that. But uh, we do have a 3.6% dividend. I believe they've been doing some buybacks. And uh, you know things are looking pretty good for UPS, comparatively speaking, to FedEx that uh, had some problems, had some shortages, had some outages. UPS kind of seems to be ticking right along. And uh, the commentary from their CEO versus FedEx was kind of moons apart in the way that their businesses are operating right now. So we've got a PE of 13.2 on this one, a low beta of 0.8. Definitely the safer play as far as I'm concerned out of this group of five. And a one that should kind of just tick a little bit higher here going into the holiday season. So that uh, is UPS number four here on week 46. All right, number five, the last one of the heap. We've got uh, the payment processor or uh, payment FinTech play PayPal. The ticker is P Y P L and uh, this one has been trending down. And I said uh, back in June when it hit uh, $67, I said when it got back up into that 80, 90 range, I said, did we miss it? Or is it still got a lot of room to grow? And if we ever got back to that 215 number that we were at last November, uh, I still think we've got a lot of room to run and a lot of things are going well for PayPal. They've uh, definitely introduced more product lines. They've got the savings. They've got the crypto. They've got uh, more of that shopping and spending all in one spot. And uh, they've got the, the savings account as well. So they've got a lot of things going. I do think that their user base is growing. Uh, It is one of the ones that I use more so than pretty much anything else as far as the uh, payment between friends. Uh, So PayPal, Venmo, the same company, and uh, this one should see some nice uh, returns with the, the way that things have been going. I do think that it's been oversold. And back down in the 70s, I said I didn't want to miss it again. I wanted to average down on my position. My position is owned at a good bit higher. And uh, currently, 30 analysts agree with my kind of thesis here as to where this one's going to go for an average price target of 108.64, representing 38% of upside. So, you guys got the choice. We've got five names: SoFi, Disney, DraftKings, UPS, and PayPal that we need to get your votes in for week 46. Please get over there to Let It Grow Investing uh, and get your votes in. And uh, if you've got some people that want to take part in the action over there, Uh, stay up to date on some of the commentary. You can uh, have them uh, invited over through the link that is on the page as well. So please go ahead and do that. Uh, Like, share, subscribe. That's what I got for you guys today. If you are uh, investing right now, be safe. And if you're starting a business, make sure that you are prepared for anything that can be thrown at you because uh, starting a business is much more than just doing the job that you're setting out to do. There's a lot of ins and outs of doing that. So please be... uh, protected on all those ends that uh, you might not see coming and really sit down with the CPA, sit down with an insurance agent and uh, solve all those problems before they arise. Because the last thing you want to do is get blindsided by something that you don't know that is going to happen. So uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's my word of advice for today. So thank you guys for listening. And uh, I'll talk to you guys in the next one. Take care. Stopping by. Please make sure to like, subscribe by turning on the notification bell, and sharing this podcast to help our community grow. Check the links in the description for offers on eTrade, Binance, and Crypto.com to get your investing journey started. You can also help support the podcast on our anchor.fm webpage. Until next time, let's get invested and let it grow.